Welcome to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. I'm Rachel, and this podcast is where you'll find the space to clear your head and calm your heart. Make yourself at home. Welcome to the Untangling Life Podcast. Thanks so much for listening in. I'm excited for you to be a part of the show today. Last week, I counted 62 different countries, and that is pretty incredible for me to think about, considering I'm just a small-town girl from the middle of West Virginia. Today, we are switching things up a bit because I have a guest. He happens to be my very favorite guest since I'm married to him. Welcome, my husband, Matthew. Well, it's great to be here. And I'm thrilled to be here with my favorite podcaster, and a very beautiful one at that. Now you're going off script. This show will be a little different than most, a little less formal, a little more informal, as we carry the conversation about what life is like, when interruptions happen, and when the unexpected ties you up. There are a number of topics that we could cover together, right? And any of which would be fun, a lot of which would be tough, but we've walked a number of difficult places in life. Can you name a few of those so our audience knows what kind of guest I'm hosting today? Well, in our first year of marriage, we encountered a lot of obstacles. I know when couples are remarried, the odds of divorce are about 50% nowadays. So we were kind of fighting the odds right from the gate. You know, that first year we were married, we experienced a lot of things that were very stressful in our relationship. In our first year of marriage, we experienced a lot of things that would cause a lot of stress just for the average couple. You lost your mom six weeks after we were married. Shortly after that, you lost an uncle suddenly. Our grandfather died on Christmas Day that year. And we purchased a home in our first year, and you also became pregnant in that first year. So a lot of things going on that the average couple would uh, be very stressed over. And unfortunately, that year, we, we also found out about the diagnosis of our daughter, Taylor. But from a personal note, I experienced a lot of difficulty and distractions in my own life before we were married. And most of them were my own fault. But with those difficulties that I experienced... On the other end of that, it allowed me to have a testimony of redemption and second chances that I think will be a topic for another day. (laughs) Yeah, we did go through a lot those first couple of years in our marriage. It was crazy circumstances, some expected and most unexpected. And I was thinking earlier today about a couple of years ago when we were sitting on the beach together and I unwrapped this um, gourmet peanut butter and jelly sandwich to eat. And do you remember what happened? Well, all of a sudden, a object flying at the speed of sound, otherwise known as a seagull, grabbed it right from your hand and consumed it immediately. <laughs> it just disappeared. It was so fast. And I've never forgotten that because it surprised me so much. It was so unexpected. You know, we're, we're enjoying our time on the beach, and it's one of our favorite places to be. We were without children that day. And so it just surprised me that this bird came and stole my sandwich. I think a lot of times life is like that. You know, Mother's Day this past year, we were privileged to hear this testimony of Stan Stever, and he is a former convict who's now serving the Lord. One of the things he said that I remember well is that he never aspired to grow up and live life behind bars, and no one does. And I think that point is relevant to our topic of talking about the unexpected today because all of us have dreams as children and as teenagers. We have hopes and aspirations for what we wish and what we want our lives to be like when we grow up. 
But there are interruptions along the way to those dreams. I know for me, a huge part of my dreams included becoming a mother. And that's true for you too, right? I mean, you're not a mother, but I definitely um, believe that you had your dreams fulfilled in that area. Yeah, since I was a young boy, I wanted to be a father and raise a family. I grew up in a relatively large family, just as you did. And that was just something that was kind of ingrained in me to, um, to do the same thing. And my dad's a preacher. So growing up in the life of a preacher, you uh, kind of gravitate towards wanting to be like dad. And that was my original goal in life. I wanted to be a preacher. And you know, I did all the things that Christian kids do that grow up in a preacher's home. You, you're in church all the time. A lot of kids go to Christian school. And whenever the doors of the church were open, you were there. There was no, no debate. Went to a Christian college. Uh, at that time, I had goals to, to be a doctor, so I went into the pre-med program. During my teen years, I kind of changed my goals from wanting to be a preacher to being a doctor. And my goal was still to be married and raise a family. And that's kind of how it started off. I was married in college, had goals to go on to med school. But uh, doors were closed and things kind of changed and the goal of me becoming a doctor faded away. And that was a difficult thing at the time because that was not expected. And that was something that really affected me emotionally and psychologically, I think. But during the meantime, me and my wife had a child. And my dream of being a daddy was had, had come true, finally. And although my goals and my career choices had changed, I was still happy being a husband and a father. Yeah, both of us saw the dream come true of becoming parents and God has given us an incredible redemption story. We've shared that multiple times, but for anyone listening for the first time on our podcast today, we found each other after our first marriages. After divorce, you had your Tiffany. She was about eight, and I had my Taylor, who was three. God brought us together in a miraculous way and has given us five more children. You could fast forward many years to now. Michael is 19, Tristina is 17. Samuel is 16, and we have Tara and Tessa, who are 12 and 10. So we are very, very blessed. God has brought us together and given us a beautiful family, and I'm so proud of how hard we've worked to be parents. But I will say that it hasn't always looked dreamy. Would you agree with that? You forgot to say how wonderful your husband was. (laughs) You left that part out. Okay, I'll say it now. I have a wonderful husband. I'll pay you for that later. (laughs) Yes, our relationship is one of blessing and one of second chances for both of us. And we have been blessed with children, and we have a beautiful family that we've both hoped for. But there were rocky roads to get where we're at today. For sure. Parenting is an interruption in and of itself. You know, a little baby comes into your life, and I was always excited to bring a baby home. I just love babies. You know that about me. The dependency of a newborn is an interruption to the family and to your household. So has it always looked like what you thought it would look like as far as parenting? I think for the most part it has. Everyone expects issues and trials and tribulations of raising children and and having children, but I feel it's been worth it. Absolutely. Like I mentioned earlier, every person on the planet has some kind of dream or plan And then life happens, and it's hard to know what to do with the unexpected. When was the first unexpected life event that happened to you? Well, I'd have to say my first unexpected event was getting divorced. When I was a young child, 
I would have never imagined that someday my marriage would end up in divorce. And unfortunately, I used to be kind of judgmental of people that were divorced growing up in the environment that I grew up in. Obviously, that was not the right thing to do. But when it happened to me, obviously, that was unexpected. But like I said earlier, the events that led up to that were a whole other story that we're not going to get in right now. But those events were probably more of a surprise to me than the actual divorce just because of the lifestyle that I chose to lead up to that point. I can relate because I think the first unexpected thing that happened to me was finding out that my first husband was having an affair. And it was also unbelievable, even when the evidence was right in front of me, those emotions, that emotional roller coaster, whether it's your fault or the fault of someone else, we both know it, it takes two and that there's anger, disbelief, outrage, sorrow, all of it. When you think of a Bible character whose dreams were rudely interrupted, who do you think of? I just have to say for those of you listening, my husband is a Bible guru. He was called so by Jeff Foxworthy on American Bible Challenge when we were on the show, which is on Netflix now, by the way, Mm -hmm. if you want to listen, watch it. And seriously, he knows the Bible. So I'm excited to hear him talk about this Bible character. Honey, who is that? Wow, no pressure here. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Well, when I think of a person in the Bible that is known for having his dreams interrupted, the first person I think of is Joseph, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Now he's known for a lot of things in the Bible. You know, when he was young, he had a lot of things going for him. He was growing up in a wealthy environment. He was a good-looking kid. He was in his father's favor. Uh, as you probably know, his father made him a coat of many colors. And I'm sure in his mind, he, he thought he had a lot of things going for him and had a lot of great things for his future. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, because of the situation, he had some um, a little bit of jealousy from his older brothers. And because of that, they threw him into a pit and sold him into slavery and told his dad that he had been killed. So there's an interruption right there of his plans. I'm sure he never would have dreamed that one day he'd end up a slave living in the environment that he lived in. But the Lord was with him. In any situation he was in, he seemed to excel, and he found favor with those that he was living with or working for. After he was sold to Egypt, he started working as a slave in the house of Potiphar. And he found favor there. But unfortunately, that didn't work out because Potiphar's wife tried to trick him and deceive him and to lure him into sin, but he refused. And she lied to her husband, and he ended up throwing him in jail. And he was there for several years, and even in jail, he found favor with those in the jail, and he actually moved up in the rank, so to speak, while in jail. And there were two men there that Pharaoh had put into jail, and both of these men dreamed dreams, and they had asked Joseph to interpret them. And then when these the results of the dreams came true, unfortunately these men, one man in particular, forgot about Joseph. And Joseph ended up being in jail for a much longer period after that and basically forgotten about. And that's where his life ended up at, the, at that moment. Wow. So Joseph's whole story can be found in Genesis chapters 30 through 50. And I find that significant because there are 20 chapters on his story devoted completely to his life. You know, it started out great with his name. His name actually means God will increase. But as you've just described, his life didn't hold up so great to that name. Besides all the things that you've mentioned, he also lost his mother. And in the midst of that, I think that's one of the things that I can really relate to. 
do you feel like any of these interruptions were the result of his own choices? Well, in the Bible, it seems like that it wasn't his fault. And there really is no recorded evidence anywhere in Genesis that he did anything wrong. Right. Because life happens. Interruptions happen and mistakes happen. The unexpected takes place. There's no way to anticipate everything we will encounter in a day because we are human and not God. The enemy likes to take interruptions and sidelines, and I, I know you agree that he uses these distractions to deter us from the plan God has for our lives. And he, if he can get us discouraged, that's one step closer to getting us defeated. One of the tools that I think he uses often to start the ball rolling toward despair is isolation. There's a loneliness that often takes place in interruptions. The unexpected often takes us to places of isolation like hospital waiting rooms or home quarantine or even in Joseph's case, prison. Mm. But I think I want to encourage our listeners today with the fact that just because something unexpected has happened, it does not mean that God has abandoned you. God has not left you alone. And even when you feel alone, multiple times God word, God's word says this one phrase about Joseph, the Lord was with Joseph, Genesis chapters 33 through 50. And I just want to encourage our listeners with the ways that you've seen, honey, God work with you or that God was with you, mm-hmm. even when you felt isolated and alone. Well, I know in my past, there have been times that I felt abandoned and isolated and basically like God had forgotten me. I know a lot of that was my own doing just because of the lifestyle I was living. I can remember nights when I would just cry out to God and ask him to forgive me and to show me, show himself to me and bring a renewed sense of purpose. At a time when you're going through stuff, you don't really see what God is doing sometimes. But when you look back, you can see how God was protecting you and moving in your life. For example, people that have crossed your path or people that have offered you advice or given you scripture to read, sometimes a phone call to parents, an encouraging word. It's a lot easier to see those things when you look back and realize that God hadn't given up on you and he was there all the time. I can recall one night when I was really struggling, I had called my parents and he had given me a scripture to read. You know, we had talked about this yesterday that sometimes you read over scripture multiple times and it it doesn't mean the same to you as when someone gives it to you in a, a time of trouble and my dad gave me this verse psalm 27 verse 5 for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me he shall set me up upon a rock you know i had read that verse probably 20 times but at that moment it really was what I needed to hear. Yeah, I would fully agree that hindsight is always twenty twenty, and especially spiritual hindsight is twenty twenty. I think another reason we find our lives interrupted besides isolation is that it feels unfair. You know, cancer is unfair. Disease is unfair. Accidents are unfair. Earthquakes, war. Why is our loving God and allowing God And while we don't have time to dive into that question fully, if that is your question, be sure to listen to episode 7 of this podcast, The Frayed Edges of Suffering. 
I think the key point to remember today in this moment is that life is unfair. And when life is unfair, God is good. His goodness doesn't change when something is not going the way we want it to. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. That's what James 1.17 says. And I would say we've both seen that when God doesn't change, where God doesn't change, even when the world is changing around us or our circumstances are changing very quickly, God does not change. I mean, even in the last few months, God has provided for us in incredible ways, and we know that his goodness is alive and well, right? Yeah, especially in the last few months. uh, I lost my job about six months ago, and that certainly was an unexpected occurrence. And a lot of times we don't always know the reason why things happen. But when things do happen, like a job loss, it really gives you time to reflect on what God is doing and has been doing in your life kind of gives you a different perspective and also gives you hopes for the future and it really makes you rely on him more especially for a financial aspect for sure i feel that interruptions like a job loss or diagnosis or whatever the case may be those interruptions reveal what's already happening in our hearts and in max Lucado's book make every day count chapter five is centered on hope for catastrophic days And I wanted our listeners just to hear the incredible story of a marathoner. Vanderlei de Lima. He's just a whisper of a guy. And at five feet, five inches, he stands shorter than some seventh graders. But don't let the size of the little Brazilian fool you. The body may be small, but the heart is bigger than the Olympic Stadium in Athens. That's where he received the 2004 bronze medal for the marathon. He should have won the gold. He was leading the race with only three miles to go. When a spectator accosted him, a deranged protester from Ireland who had been imprisoned for running on a Grand Prix racetrack in England a year earlier, hurled himself into the runner, forcing him off the course and into the crowd. Although stunned and shaken, Delima collected himself and resumed the race. In the process, he lost his rhythm, precious seconds, and his position, but he never lost his joy. The small-bodied, big-hearted Brazilian entered the old marble stadium with the thrill of a child. He punched the air with his fists, then ran with both arms extended, like a human airplane looking for a place to land, weaving for joy. Later, crowned with an olive wreath and bejeweled with an unflappable smile, he explained his exhilaration. It is a festive moment. It is a unique moment. Most athletes never have this moment. Yeah, but most athletes never get bumped off the path either. Vanderlei de Lima never complained. The Olympic spirit prevailed again, and I was able to medal for myself and my country. I'm taking notes on this guy, wondering how de Lima kept such an attitude. Race bumpers still prowl the crowds. You don't have to run a marathon to go from the front of the pack to landing flat on your back. Just ask kids who gather at their mom's grave, or patients waiting their turn for cancer therapy, cemetery, chemotherapy, the father who moved out, the soldier who returns missing a limb, the parents of a runaway daughter, the family made homeless by the hurricane. Life catastrophically derailed. How do you get back in the race? Well, I know that Max Licato is one of your favorite authors Mm -hmm. and that you can relate to this story. How um, how many marathons have you run? I've run 10, actually. Yowza. That's a lot of marathons. 
So do you think that you would do the same thing that Vanderlee did? Well, truthfully, if I believe if I was bumped off the course, I would probably get steaming mad. And it would probably make me even run harder to get back in the race, just out of pure stubbornness. And because of my Polish temper, I probably would want to go beat the guy up that knocked me <laughs> off the course. <laughs> I guess the point is, is that we get to choose what to do with the interruption, right? There's a buzzword in the business world right now, and it's the word pivot. Because both last year and this year, due to COVID, so many businesses have had to make transitions. For example, restaurants that didn't offer carryout had to start offering it, or many retail stores and businesses began offering delivery services or opened up curbside pickup options. All of those little choices were pivots. The businesses that made the pivot were the ones open right now. And the ones that didn't change their mode of operation at all or didn't change quickly enough to accommodate the interruption while they've closed their doors. This is a prime example of how we have a choice on handling the unexpected or interruptions. We think our walk should be one straight line from A to Z, but that's not what the Bible says will happen. Proverbs 16:9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. What does that verse mean to you? Well, if you look at the words, the heart of man plans his way, if you think of it, a plan is an idea. It's not something you can hold in your hands. It's tangible. The Lord establishing, to me, seems like a permanent fixture. So we can make our plans, and you know, if they don't turn out the way we think, we have to remember that the Lord is the one that establishes our ways, our steps. Sometimes our plans don't line up with His ways. But if we walk in the Spirit, like the Bible said, there's really no way to venture off the way the Lord has established because we're walking with Him. Mm, that's good. That's good. You know, we started this conversation talking about Joseph and how he is such an example of dreams, but interruptions and really an interrupted life. God had given him a dream, but the path to get to his dream seemed like nothing but interruptions. And so I envision this zigzag path, you know, Joseph experienced this very zigzag path for sure. Yeah, as mentioned before, Joseph had so many things go the wrong way for him. None of which he expected. He didn't expect to get sold into slavery. Although he worked his way up through the ranks, he was falsely accused and forgotten about in prison for two years at least. Can you imagine what he was going through in his mind when he was in prison all those years? Just wondering, you know, God, did you forget about me? You know, what did I do wrong? Why am I here? Is this the ultimate end for me? What is What is your path and your plan for me? Certainly this is not my goal or my dreams. You know, there's a verse in Isaiah 55 that says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. I guess the question is, are we surrendered to the sovereignty of God? Are we believing that his ways are higher than our ways? Or do we just quote the verse? This is how interruption reveals what's really going on in our hearts. Yeah, sometimes what's going on in our hearts is a result of something from the past. Because there are times when you believed God to be calling you to do something, but then it doesn't turn out the way you expected. I think like Joseph, he had this dream and he thought it was supposed to be going a certain way. And here he winds up as a slave and he winds up in jail. And you have 
you and I have talked about this multiple times. When you think God is calling you to do something, but the results are not what you anticipated. Can you think of a couple of examples regarding that? Yeah, I can think of one specifically. We had a, a dear friend, Pastor Mark Trotter, and he was on fire for the Lord. He was he was making multiple missionary trips to Malawi, training pastors. He was writing books. He was a strong advocate of the Word. And I'd say he was probably at the peak of his ministry. Hmm. But then he was diagnosed with cancer last year and about six months later passed away. And... I'm sure his family and friends and all that loved him were asking questions like, like, why, Lord? Why would you take away a man in his prime? There were multiple prayers for healing. I'm confident of that. But you know, God chose to heal him after he left this life. So ultimately, he was healed. It just was part of his plan to do that after he had passed away. You know, we'll never know the answers to a lot of questions that we have. For example, in our own lives, you know, when we first found out about Taylor's disease about 20 years ago, we were, at first, we were shocked, as you would be expecting, and we were asking God why. You know, why would you cause this affliction to be on our daughter? And the first thought, of course, is to pray for healing, that God will restore her and bring her back to a normal life and normal development. But over time, Things changed, and we felt God was leading us to change our prayers to help us to accept what was done and to accept this disease as part of his plan for her life in that we started to pray that God's glory would be shown through it. I just think that in regards to that topic, it was a process. It was not like we all of a sudden started praying or stopped praying for God's healing. But he took us on a journey. It was the zigzag of the journey that made us realize his plan was far better than what we could imagine. It was far bigger. And although we can't wrap our heads around it fully, we know that even the people listening right now are experiencing comfort in knowing that they're not alone in these sudden diagnoses. Anyone listening, you are not alone in the journey of learning how to walk with the Lord step by step. Just because all of the catastrophic and horrible things that can happen in this world, interruptions can throw us for a loop. But sometimes God's path is a zigzag deliberately. Just as you said, it's because we're learning how to walk with him. Yeah, as you said earlier, there were times that, um, unfortunately, basically we were accused of not having enough faith because we weren't praying for Taylor to be healed in this life. And sometimes we would ask ourselves, did we not pray hard enough? Did we not pray the right things? Were we not living right? But like Rachel said, when we came to the acceptance eventually that God's plan for her life was to have this disease and that his glory would be shown through her lives and through ours. Yeah, there's a lot that we could talk about with all the starting and stopping and the loss of skills and the interruptions that God put in our lives along the way. Many, many topics we don't have time to talk about right now, but I think the point is that sometimes God gives us the interruption and he gives us the choice of how to handle the interruption because we're gaining skills for the next venture. A lot of times what's happening in our lives is God's preparation for the next stage. And I take a lot of comfort in that myself. How about you? Well, the whole story reminds me of the children of Israel. They took 40 years to do an 11-day journey. So if you want to see the ultimate zigzag in the Word of God, just look at the 40-year journey of the children of Israel. God was preparing them for 40 years 
to enter the promised land. In the process, he had to weed out the bad and preserve the good and teach them a lot of hard lessons along the way to where they ultimately reached the promised land and they were prepared to enter it. On a personal level, I can relate to that, especially with my recent job loss. There's times I ask myself, Lord, here's the zig. Now, when's the zag coming? What's You know what's next. What's down the road? What are your plans for me in the future? Hopefully it won't take 40 years. <laughs> it makes me think of the verse that we went, mentioned before about how the heart of man plans his way. But the Lord is the one that establishes his steps. And it's a tough road to walk down sometimes when you're relying on the Lord and his established steps. And you have to rely on faith and rely on the fact that the Lord says he will establish my ways. And that's something I have to remind myself daily. Well, thank you, my love, for being on the Untangling Life podcast with me. Well, it's been great to be here and I look forward to future recordings with you. I know that your testimony of faith and perseverance to continue walking with the Lord in spite of interruptions is a great example to our listeners. And I know God's working in our lives in incredible ways, and we're so thankful for it. Today's conclusion, I would say, is that the zigzag you feel like you're walking right now is a straight line from God's heavenly view. And that, my friend, is today's thread of hope. Each episode of Untangling Life concludes with a segment called On My Desk. This week on my desk, I have the resources I've mentioned in this podcast, and they will be included in the show notes. First up, Max Licato's book, Make Every Day Count. Secondly, One More Step, Finding Strength When You Feel Like Giving Up. This book will point your heart toward an everlasting hope. And also on my desk this week, though not mentioned in this podcast episode, Call to Create, A Biblical Invitation to Create, Innovate, and Risk by Jordan Rayner. And Desperate for God, A 31-Day Bible Reading Plan and Journal that calls you to follow the example of 31 prayers of men and women in the Bible as they look to God for all their needs. Also on my desk, my very favorite large print purple leather bound NIV Bible. Until next time, have a great day. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to subscribe. For show notes and free resources, visit rachelwojo.com. See you again soon. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.